Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. And we are in installment number three of a series called Dying to Go. I've been gone last couple of weekends, so we'll review just enough to get you tracking with us. Love the subtitle, uh, Learning to Get Over the Fear of Death so that you can truly live. And he tried to sneak in a, a point already. That's pretty sneaky to my AV man. I do want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, this is such an imperative subject matter. It is imperative that you and I get over the fear of death so that we can truly live. Now put up that life point that you already stuck out that life point pretty quick. This is so powerful. There are those that guide their life by the fear of death. There are those that guide their life by the joy of life. The former live dying, but the latter die living. It's time that we jump back into life. 2020 really took the wind out of so many folks, and I want so many people so afraid to live again. And it's time that we get over as believers the fear of dying so that we can revolve our life around life. And a really great example of that is our Kenny Gammons on the praise team. You saw him just a little bit ago. Him and his wife, April, went through a tragic death of their son, and it was very difficult. But Kenny decided to go ahead and continue to live life. Watch this. On June 28, 2008, our son, Dustin, passed away with leukemia and went on to be with Jesus. After Dustin passed away, that summer, right before school started back, the principal reached out to us and said, could y'all come and, and say something to the students? Uh, we're gonna be doing a tree in memory of Dustin and it'd be great if y'all can share it because some of the students are really having a hard time with this. So I said, sure, we'd be glad to. And so, a couple days later, me and April are driving to the school, and she's like, what are you going to share? And I said, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm still hurting myself. So we got to the school, and we're, we're sitting there talking to the students, and I'm just sharing stuff about, about Jesus, about going to heaven and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, God just dropped it in my heart, exactly what to say, that the students will have something to relate to. And so I just spoke to them. It was so easy. I said, guys, if I can get everyone just to close your eyes. I want you to picture Dustin sitting in the classroom. I want you to picture Dustin 
sitting in the cafeteria or even on the basketball court. Can you see him? I want you to picture Dustin walking down the hallways. Can you see him? He has something that he wants to say to you. And what he wants to say to you is, it's real. Heaven is real. When Pastor was sharing a couple weeks ago during this series, Dying to Go, about the man going to hell. And he said, if I can say anything to my loved ones, I would say, don't come here. Hell is real. And so I thought about that sitting over in the chair listening to Pastor. And that it, it brought back to memory the story I shared about Dustin, about saying heaven is real. And I just wanted to let people out there know that if your loved one has gone on to be with the Lord and you know he's in heaven, heaven is real. And if you're on the borderline about giving your life to Jesus and you just don't know that heaven is a real place. Heaven is real. Look around you for just a moment. Real people, real place. Heaven is more real than this. And I don't think people really fully grasp that, or at least they don't live like heaven is real. I just can you imagine? That would make a good song, wouldn't it? I can only imagine, but heaven, you got that. Some of you got that. Now, you're a little slower crowd than the Saturday crowd. I can tell you that. No, man, it's a real place. Listen to me very closely. As Kenny said, heaven is a real place. And I don't like to tell you this, but I can't lie to you about the scriptures. Hell is also a real place. And you know your pastor. I'm not a hell, fire, and brimstone guy. I'm a sunny side up gospel teacher, and that's good news. But I do want you to know, and I can't lie to you, that Jesus talked three times more about hell than he did about heaven. Three times more. I know that's shocking to so many of you, but listen to me closely. I believe the reason that he did that was because he did not want anyone to go there. He came to this earth and died for you and I. That's a, that's a dumb thing for people to do when they go to hell. Because hell is where you go to pay for something twice. What, what do you mean, Pastor? How many of Jesus paid on the cross for our sins so that we don't have to go there? And if you reject what Jesus did and go there anyway, you're paying for your sins twice. That don't make any sense to me. Both of them are real. There is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. And it is time that we live that way. We've got to get over the fear of death so that we can truly live. And we begin to talk to you about two death dynamics. They're pretty simple. Remember dynamic number one. This is a powerful stat. Stats show that one out of one people die. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> Second thing that you need to know is death is the last enemy, but regret is the worst enemy. How many have regrets in life? How many was coming here this morning? You, you wish you were still sleeping in watching the British Open. How many, you're here, but you're watching the British Open on your phone right now? <laughs> I, I certainly hope not. I can tell you right now, we all have regrets. We all have ifs and buts. How many know if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas? And it's true, we all have regrets. We do. And I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, one of the biggest regrets is really not learning how to live while you're here on this earth. So right away, death brings up all kinds of questions because we, we may have had other people in our family or loved ones that have experienced, but we haven't experienced it ourselves, so we don't know. 
So we begin to talk to you and address over the last number of weekends those questions about death that we've been answering so many different things so that you can truly live life once again. Remember question number one, check it out. Where did my born again loved one go? Ever say born again. That's the imperative key words there. If you have a born again loved one, they've received Jesus as Lord of their life. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Immediately. There's no in-between, there's no soul sleep, there's no purgatory. There is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Which brings up the second question right away. What about the body? Well, what happens to the body? My father went on to be with the Lord about 12 years ago. His body, his physical body, can be found in a cemetery about 45 minutes from here. Please don't go and find him and dig him up. We do not need another scene from a thriller. Oh, ah. Come on, just look at your neighbor and say, beat it. Would you just beat it? Just tell him. So you can tell the younger generation has no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. I'm getting older. I understand. I'll update my material as I go. My father's body is in the grave in a cemetery 45 minutes from here, but him, the real him, the true him, his spirit, and that's the true you, is with the Lord. The third thing that we talked to you about, number three, is can I communicate with my loved one? And we don't have time to delve into that in great detail, but the answer is no. You talk to, according to John 16, 23, and 24, you talk to God the Father in the name of Jesus. You can fellowship with the Lord and talk to him, 1 John 1, 3. You can communicate with the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 13 and 14. But as far as dead people, you cannot communicate with them. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, the Bible tells us there is an inference there that people that have gone on to be with the Lord are aware of what you accomplished for the kingdom of God. They don't really uh, the care or are aware of the football scores or, or the British Open or whatever else, but they're aware when you're advancing the kingdom. That's why, may I challenge everybody, like they sang, be available for the Lord. Get busy in the kingdom, so make those loved ones proud. I'm not overwhelmed by that response. Uh, number four, check it out. We talked about should I be afraid of death? And we found from Philippians chapter 1, 21 through 24, that to be with the Lord is far better. Ever say far better. You should not be afraid of dying. If you're a born-again child of God, there should be no fear in death. Death has lost its sting. Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity to meet him at the end of the service. You should be afraid. And I don't mean that in an unkind or condemning way, but if you don't know the Lord, listen to me, what we do or don't do with Jesus here on this earth, in this lifetime, will determine where we spend eternity, heaven or hell, for the rest of our lives. So it's imperative. That's why I never, I watch so many churches, they go away from sharing the gospel. They go away from winning people to Christ. That's why God's hand remains on this church is because we care about the seats that are empty. We care about people that don't know the Lord here in this community. And we will never stop reaching out to them. 
Should I be afraid of death? No, 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 a thousand times no. There'll be three friendly faces in heaven that will help you get over that fear. Number one, check it out. This is your angel's last assignment. We talked about that in great detail to carry you into heaven. Second thing we talked about is loved ones and friends that have gone on to be with the Lord before you. They'll be waiting for you when you get there. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't have any loved one or friends that have gone on to be with the Lord. I'm the first person that gave my life to the Lord in my family. Well, the good news is, number three, Jesus is waiting on you. Your Lord, your Savior, your older brother, your best friend, the one that died for you. What a blessing. Fifth question that we begin to talk to you about, number five, is my loved one died. How should I handle it? I'm, I'm, I'm really walking through a lot of emotions. I'm struggling with grief. Listen to me very closely. There is a very important designation that you need to know. Psalms 126 and verse 6, the Bible says that he that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again rejoicing. There is nothing wrong with weeping or crying or having memories over your loved one, but the key words there is going forth. If it stops you from going forth in life, that is an unhealthy grief and needs to be resisted. Your loved one does not want you to curl up in the fetal position. Your loved one wants you to get back in the game and make a difference for the Lord. So important. And then the sixth thing that we talked about is how should I help the living? So important that we help the living. We talked about some practical things last time we met together over this subject matter. I don't have time to review them. Please get on YouTube or our website or Facebook and you can view those things on demand. Seventh question we talked to you about is is it really appointed unto a man a time to die? I hear that all the time. You know, there's just a time to die. When your number's up, your number's up. When your ticket's punch, your ticket's punch. And we quote that like we know the Bible, but that's not what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. The Bible doesn't say it's appointed unto man a time to die. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. Now, does God know the time? Sure, because he knows the end from the beginning. But it's not like you're locked into this day and there's nothing you can do about it one way or the other. Let me prove that to you by the next one, number eight. Check it out. Can I shorten or prolong my life? Oh, boy. Look at, look at, Hebrew, or look at uh, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 27. Look, look at this verse. The fear of the Lord prolongs days. Right there, there's something that you can do to prolong your days. The fear of the Lord, we, we get that term and we get all scared. No, the fear of the Lord means to respect God. It means to put him first. How many of you know when you put God first, you can do things that will prolong your days? But how many also know the years of the wicked will be shortened? How many know sin will drain our days and take away our days? I, I, I told that story. I, I got a kick. I always watch during 2020 and you know, and all the, the COVID and the masks and, and all of that stuff, I always got a kick out of watching people. They would run into the grocery store with their mask on and run out of the grocery store with their mask on. Soon as they got out of the grocery store with their mask on, they'd pull that mask down and start smoking. <laughs> I saw that over and over and over again. I was like, dude, <laughs> you need to know Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. You're going to shorten your days if you keep doing that. How many know there are certain ways to shorten your days? And if you don't believe that, believe this. Check it out. Thank you so much.
much. Yes, oh my, my goodness. pleasure. I enjoy so working great. with you guys. You're so beautiful. Oh, you bring me so much joy. You bring us keep, so much joy. Keep me posted, okay? Yes. Make sure you do all the cute little selfies, all right? We will. We and will. give me a shout out. Hashtag Sweet Okay. <laughs> Well, that couple look happy. Yes, and we're gonna get you happy too, okay? Oh, great, great. Well, I'm Sweet Pea, and I'm gonna help you find your sweet tea, okay? Okay, well, nice to meet you. I'm Ricardo Bjorgensen. Ricardo Bjorgensen, yes. Well, I'm just gonna ask you a couple of questions to help you set up your profile, okay? Okay. And your age? Uh, 37. 37, okay. Oh, we can Photoshop, we can work with that. And have you ever been married before? Yes, twice. Twice, okay. When what happened with your previous wives? Did you get a divorce? Uh, no, I, I don't believe in divorce. They both died. Oh, so sorry to hear that. Well, what happened to your first wife? Uh, mushrooms. Okay. What about your second wife? What did she die of? She fell off a cliff. Oh my goodness, what on earth happened? Well, she wouldn't eat the mushrooms. Oh, come on, you might as well clap. You might as well clap. Certain things you can do, certain people that you can marry that will shorten your life. So come on, let's use some wisdom about it. That catches us up to date. How many ready for new territory? All right, let's keep growing, let's keep growing. Here we go, let's answer some more questions. Number nine, check it out. What if I don't fully understand? We've all walked through things like this. As a pastor, someone's been in ministry 38 years, I've seen this hundreds and hundreds of times. Situations like what happened with Kenny Gammons where you've got a, a child that goes on to be with the Lord before you do or maybe you were believing God and you believe in God over grandma or over your sister or whatever and they died and we've all walked through different tragedies and difficulties in our life that we don't necessarily fully understand. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this and kind of pastor you and help you in a very loving way. This will answer a lot of questions for you and set you up for a constructive life, to get over the fear of death and really begin to live once again. Let me give you four thoughts when you don't fully understand some tragic situation that occurred in your life. Thought number one, check it out. Never let go of what you do know because of what you don't know. I've seen that over and over again. Something tragic happens. We don't have all the answers. You know, you come to be pastor, what do you think? I don't have all the answers. There's certain things I don't know. I can give you the Bible, but there's certain things I don't know. But I want you to know something very important. This is huge. Never let go of what you do know because of what you don't know. And I want you all the time doing that. Listen, listen, look at me, church. This is so, so, so important. I watch people get bothered at God. They get mad at God. Some tragic situation happens, and they're about, why, God? Why did you let this happen? And they walk away from God, and they walk away from church, and they get offended, and, and, and they're away from God for years and years because of some sort of tragic situation. Imagine, challenge everybody in the house. Just because you don't fully understand, don't walk away from what you do know because of what you don't know. 
What do you mean, Pastor? Let, let me continue to explain. This is so important. You, for example, you take Moses, and everybody knows the story about he delivered the children of Israel, obviously through the power of God, and, 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 and he went through that, and, and they're taking two to three million Jews into the promised land, and of course, you know, he had to put up with so much complaining instead of obtaining, and you know the whole story. God instructed him to hit that rock once, and water was going to come out of it because it was a type of Jesus being crucified. But out of his anger issues, he hit it twice, and his anger issues literally caused him to not be able to go into the promised land. Now, how many understand in the days of Moses, there was no Bible? There's no Bible. They had the law written at a certain point, but there was no Bible. We have the advantage of the Bible. We have the advantage of the big screen, the big curtain pulled back so we can see the whole story. But there were two to three million Jews that had no clue what Moses was dealing with in private. And so there, I guarantee you, were thousands and thousands of Jews that didn't understand why can't Moses enter into the promised land. They had no clue of all the things that were occurring behind the scenes. But now we see that. We have the benefit of seeing the entire Bible and that curtain pulled back. And I watch this over and over and over. I watch people run away from God. And listen to me. One day you're going to be in heaven. And one day you're going to say, okay, God, give me the answer to that thing. And God will be, give you, be able to give you that answer in 10 seconds. Here's why this happened. Here's what happened behind the scenes. But you ended up running away from God for 10 years. Listen to me very closely. Never, never, ever walk away from God because of something that you do not know. Stick with what you do know. What you do know is that your God is good. What you do know is he is fair and just. What you do know is his word is true. What you do know is he is faithful. What you do know is where your loved one is. I hear this all the time when I lost my loved one. No, you didn't lose your loved one unless they uh, uh, have lost their mind and they're wandering around Mount Juliet. You know where they are if they've died, if they've got Jesus in their heart. That is what you do know. You remember, you remember, you remember, you remember John the Baptist? And you remember the whole thing where he baptized the Lord and you know, man, here came the spirit descending on the Lord as a dove. And then you remember from heaven, this is my beloved son. I mean, what a, he saw all of that. He heard all of that. And now here he is in Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 12. The man is in jail. And you know, that was a real big issue for him. I mean, John the Baptist was like, what's going on? I don't understand this. This is a tragic situation to me. I, I thought I was going to be on TBN and have my own show. I thought, you know, I was going to start, you know, First Baptist Church. And uh, uh, John the Baptist, come on, work with me. <laughs> and, 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 you know, what's the deal? And here he is. And so he sends some disciples to the Lord to ask him a question. Are you the Messiah or do we look for another one? And remember what Jesus said? Go and tell John that the blind see, that the deaf hear, that the crippled walk, that the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Do you know what that comes from? That's from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 and 6, and Isaiah 61 and verse 1. What was Jesus doing? 
When John the Baptist didn't understand all that was going on, Jesus pointed him back to what he did know. And may I challenge you, if you don't understand all that's going on in someone's life or a loved one or a tragic situation, may I point you back to what you do know. That's huge. Second thing that you need to know is don't focus on the why, focus on the what now. How about so many people, why God, why God, why God? Listen, that's the wrong thing to focus on. Focus on not why, but what now. You may not fully understand, but okay, God, what now? Does anybody remember 2 Samuel chapter 12? Does anybody remember Samuel? Does anybody remember the number 12? Okay, I'm just trying to connect with someone on something. 2 Samuel 12, you remember in verses 20 through 25, you remember David's tragic situation. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He'd had her husband Uriah the Hittite killed. And this was a horrible situation. And all of a sudden, that little baby, David's little baby, Bathsheba and David's little baby, uh, was sick. And you remember what happened. David was fasting and he was praying and fasting and praying and fasting and praying and the baby died. And all of a sudden, here was what David did. Remember then, it was amazing. The people in the courthouse, they were asking, David, you know, you were fasting and praying, but when the baby was sick, but now the baby's died, you're getting, and here's what David did. David arose, the Bible says in 2 Samuel 12, 20 through 25. He arose, he washed, he anointed himself. That means he put on some cologne, probably eternity. <laughs> I got a smattering of uh, applause over there. Thank you. He washed. And I, 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 he changed his clothes. He went, watch this now. He went to the house of God and worshiped. Means he got back in the game, went to church again, began to worship the Lord. Then he went back to his own house and he went and then and slept with Bathsheba. They conceived and had another child, and that other child was Solomon, the second wisest man ever to walk the face of the planet. And then the prophet Nathan came and said, don't call him Solomon, call him Jedediah. Jedediah, listen, listen means dearly beloved of God. So only God can turn that tragic situation into something dearly beloved of him. But it took David to understand it's not about why did my child die, it's about what now. I can't go back and unring that bell. There's nothing I can do to fix that. I fasted and prayed while the child is sick. He said, I'm not, I'm not gonna be able, he's not gonna be able to come to me, but I will eventually go to him. So he's in essence, Deciding I'm not going to live my life based on why. I'm going to live my life based on what now. Amen. Help anybody in the house. That'll help you live a constructive life. That's the worst hand clap I've ever heard. You guys would be phenomenal on a golf course around the putting green. Okay, he's about to putt. Third thing that you need to know, check it out, is we will continue to teach the idea while helping people through the real. Now, Pastor, what, is, what, is, what does that mean? Now, now, please listen to this part very closely. Because if we don't understand this, then we're, we're going to get ourselves in a mess as, a, as, as believers. 
Listen to me closely. You remember in Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, there came some folks to question Jesus about the subject matter of divorce. Divorce can be very controversial. And Jesus, in that subject matter, took them back in Matthew 19, 1 through 6, and he said, Look, listen, he said, from the beginning, from the very beginning, he took them back into Genesis. From the beginning, marriage was always between one man and one woman before God Almighty. So in other words, Jesus pointed them back to the ideal. This is how it's supposed to be. This is what I want. This is my best. But how many also know that Jesus then later on and went and died for people that went through divorce? So in other words, he taught the ideal but died for the real. How many know we live in a fallen world? We live in a fallen world where we make some crazy decisions. So I realize that we've got folks in the house here that have gone through divorce. And I want you to hear this pastor saying, that is not the unpardonable sin. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that wipes that sin out as well. Uh, come on, can I have a better amen? Some of you are innocent victims. The adultery was committed. Nothing you had to do with it. And I guess some of you had to leave because you were being abused or there was some sort of awful addiction. I, we understand all of that. And we're here to love on the real. How many know that God has a plan for wherever you land? He does. He's got, he's got a plan for wherever you land. His plan B is always better than your plan A. His plan C is always better than your plan B. He's got more letters in his alphabet than you have stupid decisions. <laughs> now, may I also help you understand in a very wise fashion, don't waste his letters. Because then you're taking advantage of the grace of God. And that's a big mistake. How, how many know at the end of our stupid decision is consequences? At the beginning of his word is preservation. He'll have to deliver you from the consequences. If you listen to his word up front, you can be preserved from the consequences. Preservation is always better than deliverance. But I'm telling all of you in the house, we can't undo certain things, so let's live our life in a constructive way from here. In the same vein, as I just mentioned to the grace of God, for those of you who have gone through divorce, in the same vein, this church is always going to be committed to teaching the ideal. In other words, we have got to strengthen the understanding of a marriage covenant. It's a covenant. My wife and I just celebrated 31 years of marriage. Can you encourage, particularly my wife? And in the same vein, I've watched the church cheapen divorce. Now, now, now listen, I just told you the grace of God for those of you that have walked through divorce. You heard me say that, did you not? We're going to love on the real. But now we've got to go back to the ideal because if we don't teach the ideal, then we start on the slippery slope of relativism. And the slippery slope of relativism will lead you into a very crazy place. If you don't believe that, have you noticed our culture here in America recently? I mean, we have begun to walk down this slippery slope of relativism where anything goes and we identify with however we feel. That is a big mistake. 
I don't know if you noticed just the other week, I think it was about a week ago, there was a man who went into a very uh, a ritzy kind of a spa, and he went over where the women were, and there were uh, mothers and daughters together in a spa. He went to that side of the spa. There was some for the men, side for the men, side for the women. Went to that side of the spa, disrobed himself, was completely naked, went into the side where the women and the daughters were. And he, the reason that he said that he did that was because he identified as being a female. And do you know what was worse than that or equally as bad as that? The, the owners or the, the people that worked at that spa sided with him. I watched a mother just be just angry as can be. And that, ladies and gentlemen, you, come on, this society has gone mad has gone mad. It's ridiculous that we even have to talk about that. It's ridiculous. How many remember when that was a crime? It's called exposing yourself to the opposite sex. That's a crime. But because of the slippery slope of relativism, see how crazy it has become. That's why we cannot move away from the ideal. Not going to happen in this church. Now we're going to love on the real. We're going to help everybody that we can. God has a plan for wherever you land. But we are not going to slide down that slippery slope of relativism. Come on, somebody talk to me. That's good preaching. I'm I'm worked up. I mean, listen, that's what we're doing that coffee house. We, our, our young adults, we want, they're, they're under attack. They are walking away from the Word of God. They're walking away from Christianity. And we want to, man, we want to reach them more than ever before because they need it. They, they are being barraged by relativism. Just barraged by it. I, I, you know, as, as was mentioned, I'm a shark fisherman. That's what I like to do on my vacations. And, and, and so I, I was, it's, the other morning, I, I was at a place I was shark fishing, got up, and it was about 7 in the morning. And so I, was, I pound certain pole holders into the sand and, and, and all this, and I was just 7 in the morning, and, you know, it was early, and I was pounding these things. And here came a, little, a couple and they were, you know, probably young adults. They're probably 21 or something like that. And they're riding their little bikes early in the morning. And we were about the only people on the beach. And so they, they rode, by, rode by me just, you know, kind of as fast as they could. And she said, the, the girl said something to me uh, real quick. It was kind of a drive-by shooting. <laughs> she, she said something real quick. And I didn't understand it at first, so she was a little bit down the beach. And then it dawned on I me. Mean, here's what she said. She, and in the sweetest voice, just the sweetest little voice, she said, she said, friendly reminder. That's how she started. Friendly reminder, fish feel pain too. <laughs> and that, that, that's what she did. Just drove by a little, you know, little bike. Fish feel pain too. And it, she was a little bit down the beach before I could uh, be cognizant of what she said. And then it hit me. And when it hit me, I started laughing like you did. <laughs> and she heard me laughing, and she turned around and cussed me up and down like a sailor. And there was her sweet little tone, like, friendly reminder, she turned around and said, you, and with a vitriol like you, you, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Good morning, sunshine. 
That's his world. That's this world. That's his crazy world. If I would have had more time, she just kept going as fast as she could. If I'd have had more time, I would have loved to ask her, do you believe in abortion? Because I bet she does. And babies feel pain, too. We're going to stick with the ideal. We're going to teach it, no matter who goes away from it or not. We'll do it with love. And then we live in a fallen world. I get it. People walk through difficult times. I get it. People go through divorce. I get it. We're going to be there for you. We're going to love on you right where you land. So all we can do is continue to lift you and help you live a constructive life. But in the same breath, can we strengthen our resolve for the covenant of marriage? Because I believe we need to. My wife and I, we don't, we, don't, we don't joke about it. It's off the table for it. And I, I realize there's biblical outs, like adultery, abuse. I, I, we get all that. We understand all that. If an unbeliever depart, I get all that. But minus those biblical abuses, listen, this is so important, this relationship. This is so important. We don't joke about it. It's off the table. It's not, it is not something. We don't, we, we, I mean, we think about murder. <laughs> But divorce, no. Ooh. Of course, you guys know I'm kidding, but we don't joke about it. We don't, we don't get angry and, and, and threaten divorce. We have never done that in 31 words. It's off the table for us. It's not an issue for us. We don't, we don't even consider it. Don't even consider it. So you see the balance? We're going to help you wherever you land. In the same breath, I've got to strengthen this covenant because it is a covenant. Well, see, I'm having my eyes, having to catch with a beautiful couple that we have here that many, many years ago, I, mean, if I, I may be getting all the details wrong, but something like 30 years ago, they, they got a divorce. They found each other 30 years later, and they're sitting, and they, I married them. They're remarried, and they're, sitting, they're loving God. They're serving in the church. They love each other. Charles makes a mean chicken. So proud of him. He's just a beautiful, beautiful couple. Come on. Isn't that, so see, see God, God's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. Fourth thing that you need to know if you don't understand, never live your life from there. Always live your life from here. You, you can't go back. You, I, I get it. And that, we don't want you to go back. That's why, that's why God made your rearview mirror so small and your front windshield so big. Check it out every once in a while so you're not dumb enough to go back. But keep going forward. Because God's got a plan for you. Right. Just so excited about God's plan for Brandon Matthias. God's got a beautiful plan for him. Okay. Did you hear that man play guitar this morning? Yeah. He's a born-again, spirit-filled, sanctified Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> and I know you young people have no idea who I'm talking about. Next question that you need to understand, this is our 10th one, and this is our last one, so how bad could it be? Number 10, check it out. What do I do next? This is a big question. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 4, 32 through 34? They, they, the disciples came to Jesus, Jesus and said, hey, you look hungry. We need to get you something to eat. And Jesus said, you guys don't understand. I have meat that you don't understand. And he said in John 4, 34, this is my meat to do the will of the Father 
and finish the course. That word meat in the Greek language means mental delight or satisfaction. Jesus was talking in a very spiritual way. The disciples were always relating in a very carnal way. He says, the thing that really turns me on, I'm paraphrasing it, is to do God's will. It's what they sang about earlier, being available. That I'm telling you, God hardwired you and I to be used by him. And when we're used by him, it's our delight. It's our privilege. It's our joy. Uh, a couple weeks ago before we left on vacation, we had a little uh, picnic after, the, after our service on Sunday. And there was a young man that had come and uh, he had maybe been at church a few years ago or something, but he was not born again. And I had the opportunity to talk to him out back, and it was such a privilege. And I had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord. It was, it was, it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I've been basking in that glow for two, three weeks. Even though it was for him and he loved it, he's been coming to church ever since. Man, it just turned me on. If you've never led another human being to Jesus, you are missing out. It is the most beautiful, wonderful thing, and it'll turn you on like you've never been turned on before. You'll never want to go back to the stupid world. What does it have to offer when you have the opportunity to lead a human being to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? So what do I do next? i got to find a little bit of purpose. So let's talk about that. Let me give you two thoughts. Number one, check it out. Don't bury yourself in business. When I say purpose, I don't mean busyness because there is a difference. A lot of times we bury ourselves in just stuff. You know, we're basically just going, nah, 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 nah. you know, I'm just going to bury myself in stuff. How many know there's a difference between being busy and being productive? How many know there's a difference between the urgent and the important? I'm going to look, most of our lives are caught up with the urgent, but God wants us to get caught up with the important. I have four of you that know that. Don't get, just don't bury yourself in busyness. Psalms 127 said, man, it's vain when you rise up early and go to bed late. Just, it's called, talking about workaholism. We're just doing stuff to do stuff, do stuff so that you can bury yourself and not think about things and not allow the Lord to heal you. How many know if you, if you put the dust bunny underneath the, the carpet, it's still there? So the second thing that you need to know, and this is what we're talking about, find purpose, actual purpose beyond your pain, kingdom purpose beyond your pain. That's why we really highly encourage you to get involved here at the local church. We're not doing it just so we have more people to work in the nursery to change the poopy diapers. We're doing it because you need purpose. Because if not, you're just existing. And God never called you to just exist. He called you to be a difference maker in the kingdom of God. <laughs> to have a kingdom purpose that matters. Yes. Something's got to matter. Purpose beyond your pain. Stats show us that if a couple has been married for 40 years or 50 years and then one of the spouses goes on to be with the Lord, that shortly thereafter, within a month or a year, that the next spouse goes on to be with the Lord because so much of their purpose and identity were attached to one another. And, and, and that's just a stat. That's just how it works. But here's what I discovered. My, my, my mother, uh, my dad went on to be with the Lord, as I mentioned, about 12 years ago. My mother was in our Saturday service. She comes all the time, super faithful. She's 84 years old. And she's been now outlived dad 12 years. And I'm telling you, the reason for that is she found purpose after he died. He, she found it in the local church. 
making a difference. Listen, you realize we literally have hundreds of things that can keep you occupied in the kingdom here at the local church. We have a mobile kitchen where we've served about 45 to 50,000 free meals to the hurting in this community. Are you aware of that? You can help serve. We have a pantry every Thursday and Friday that feed the hurting and the poor. Literally, we give away tens of thousands of dollars worth of groceries every single three or four months. Tens of thousands. Come on, isn't that a beautiful thing? You can help serve. People are giving their lives to the Lord down to the pantry. Man, we have all kinds of things that you can avail yourself of to find purpose in the kingdom of God. I can tell you this. You know, I'm... I'm Pushing 60 now. I'll be 60 in January. How many find that really hard to believe? If you listen, you, if you, you, you I was down there, uh, uh, down in the, uh, well, on our vacation, we t uh, took our son, we allowed, we allowed him to bring up Buddy, and, and, and my wife just cut my hair right before we left. But normally she cuts my hair and she dyes it. How many know it's now a, no longer a cut, but a cut and paste? <laughs> And I'm very, I tell everybody all my secrets and all that. Well, anyway, she cut it, but she didn't dye it because, I, you know, I'm out in the sun fishing for the shark and it just kind of wasted anyway. So my true colors begin to shine through uh, down there. And my son's buddy saw it and he was looking at me like, dude. You know, because no, you normally used to seeing this, right? You know, now I die and you know, it looks real dark and I look and all that. Yeah. Well, come on, you ladies do it. I can do it too. And listen, I'm, you know, plastic surgery wouldn't hurt me either. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm joking, I'm joking. And so, and so he kind of looked at me like, dude, you look older. Than, and I was like, dude, I'm paying for your food and your condo, so shut it. <laughs> shut your trap and eat. And then we went to a subway on the way home, and I'm paying for my wife and, and my two guys there. And the, the subway devil goes, I see you're here paying, you're paying for your wife and, and, your, and your two grandkids. So after I yanked the subway guy over the counter, shared the gospel with him. <laughs> so when we got back, first thing I needed to do was die this sucker. So I'm looking better. Yesterday, I th I th there was a dude sitting in the back. He's here for the very first time. I was in the visitor reception. What is going on, people? Yesterday, because uh, I said in the service I was almost 60, and he, he was back there sitting way back in the back. And, and he goes, man, I didn't think you. You look way younger than that. And then when he went back in the visitor reception and saw me two feet away, he goes, no, I can see it now. <laughs> So I was like, dude, how, how was your last time here at church? Was, that a, was it good? <laughs> Hope you enjoyed your one service here. <laughs> What's with you people? Could you be nicer to the pastor? I'm getting old, you don't need to remind me. So I'm pushing 60. I'm telling you right now, there's going to come time. I got so much more vision in me. I got so much more. I, I have the energy of when I was in my 20s. I really do. I can go all day. I got so I'll, I'll be around for a long time, so don't panic. I'm not, re, not retiring, not even anywhere close. But there's going to come a time where a younger pastor will be because 
I'll turn it over to him because he'll serve you better. I, that's a, whatever I do, I don't want to ever hold the church back. That's my thing. I want to glorify God. I want to help you. And so I got a lot of vision. I'm not going anywhere a long time. I'm going to be around for a long time. I got a lot of, a lot of, I'm totally healthy. I'm totally energy. I, I can run circles around all you young people. I did 71 wide grip pull-ups in a row about three weeks ago without stopping. Without stopping. Who can do that? No one. Yeah, that's right. No one. That's the truth. So I, I, I thank God for that. I'll be around a long time. But there's going to come a time when I do turn it over to some younger man. Sure ain't going to be Pastor Dave. He's 107. <laughs> and, and, but when I do, listen to me very closely. I'm not going to retire from making a difference for the Lord. I am a Christian. See, I got I to be honest with you. And, and again, there, there's nothing wrong with having goals and, and, and retirement funds. and, and all. I'm, not, I'm not besmirching any of that. But you can't find retirement in the Bible. It's not there. Because nowhere does God ever want you to stop making a difference for Him. So while I may make a difference in a different way, I may not be up here preaching, man, I'm never going to stop being a difference maker for the kingdom. Man, you're going to find me in the pantry. You're going to find me serving in some way. You're going to find me, you're going to find, I'm, I'm going to be at Walmart leading people to the Lord. I'm going to be investing in, I'm, I'm not joking. They, people in Walmart need the Lord. Have you been to Walmart? I'm never, ever going to stop serving the Lord. I'm never, ever going to stop being a difference maker in the kingdom. Never. I've already got a plan. I literally, I call it $100 evangelism. I've been saving my money, being very judicious with it, so that when I do actually retire, I'm going to be led by the Lord on a regular weekly basis where I go to the gas stations, where I go to Walmart and so forth. And I, God, talk to me. Show me who you want me to give 100 bucks to and then share the gospel with. People that are hurting people. And I, how many know, man, you give someone 100 bucks, they'll listen to anything you say. Truth, I'm, that's, a, that's a plan. I've literally been planning my finances around doing that. I'm never going to stop making a difference for the kingdom, and you shouldn't either. Why? I'm going to be busy living, not afraid of dying. For the Christian, dying is graduation. Doesn't scare me a bit. It's an enemy. I want to fulfill my assignment, but I'm not afraid of it. And I want to live my life. And by living my life, I'm not talking about being an adrenaline junkie. God's not freeing you from the fear of death so you can just jump out of airplanes. That's not what we're talking about. And if that's your thing, fine, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about literally living an adventurous life for the kingdom of God.